Hi, and welcome back to I Was Thinking. I'm Nafis. I'm Robert's wife. And I'm Macy. Welcome to the show, guys. Uh, I think that's all you say is name, right? I can't even pronounce my husband's name. But welcome. How unfortunate. (laughs) How unfortunate. How's everyone doing? Pretty good. Pretty good, yeah. Good, good. Well, as you heard my introduction, I said that because today we are talking about the new Pixar movie, Turning Red. Yay! We're not going to do, you know, we already did that. We had to re-record, guys. Sorry. I'm not trying to talk about how miserable I am. Let's so <laughs> go straight into it. Right. Yeah. We always talk forever anyway, so we'll, skip our, we'll skip our banter. Mm-hmm. That's true. Just know, guys, my opinion has to change. Life is terrible. Life's on fire oh, right gosh. now. I'm okay. Oh, wow. I'm okay. This, this too shall pass, Simone. This too shall pass. <laughs> Okay, so back to turning red. <laughs> I'm okay, I promise. This is how I cope. <laughs> it's okay, just embrace the inner panda. <sighs> embrace the beast, embrace the beast. Mm-hmm. As the movie has taught us. Right. So yes, yeah, so like I said, we are talking about turning red. I am the one that sh- suggested it, because I remember on a random day i kept seeing about this movie and i was like you know this movie looks cute let me watch it and i did and i have no regrets this is my second time watching it and i might watch it a third time i really like this movie so yes i mean we'll get into our ratings later but like did you guys thought it was okay somewhat enjoyed it i just want a little sneak peek before we get into it I thought it was very cute. And as an Asian person, there were a lot of different points that I related to. So I thought it was really spot on for the most part. My my usual is scoring of it made me laugh out loud, which means I probably like it. You know, if a movie mm-hmm. can make me laugh, like actually laugh, then yeah. it's good in my book. Not like that fake, like cringe laugh, like actually you're laughing because yeah. you think it's cute. Mm-hmm. At the very start of the movie, I was like, oh, this is going to be a lot. Like, <laughs> but then it, it grew on yeah. me throughout. So, yes, yes. So we'll get into that. So as I've been saying, I've been, well, I didn't say it now. I keep forgetting this was post. I'm sorry. (laughs) I have just been my technicals that screwed us up this morning. It's not usually me. I usually get away. It's really not. It's usually it usually is. It's usually me. (laughs) (laughs) It's usually the feast. Our 11 o'clock curse. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. But I've been very busy, so thank you, Macy, for helping me with this movie. So she mostly did talking points about the movie itself. And then I just brought up, like, you know, the synapse of the movie. I'll bring up the cast and crew. And then, like, a few controversies that came with this movie. Um, I didn't do all of them because there's just too many of them. But I brought up three. And then, yes, one of them is K-pop related. We're bringing K-pop into this movie, guys. <laughs> so it's interesting. K-pop is just seeping into everything it's at this point. seeping into everything at this point. <laughs> it's kind of... I'll, I'll talk about it when I get into it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So let's get into the synapse, shall we? So Turning Red is an animated Disney Pixar movie that was released just recently on March 11, 2022. Um, And this movie was released exclusively on Disney's new streaming platform, Disney Plus. It was supposed to be released in movie theaters, but you know, guys, um, COVID. (laughs) COVID's out here. Mm -hmm. Still ruining everything. Yeah. 
The movie is based in Toronto, specifically in the year um, 2002. And yeah, it's set in Canada. If you didn't know where Toronto is, Toronto, Canada. Um, <laughs> and it's very obviously obvious. They made it pretty important. I wasn't sure um, when it was because I heard it was like late 90s and early 2000s. But then when I watched the movie the second time, they actually said the year. So this is supposed to be set in 2002. So I was way too young to remember anything in 2002. Yeah. Mm, I was in fourth grade in 2002. I, a long time ago. We were, yeah, we were in we first were, grade, I think. First grade? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. it, oh wait. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. 2001, we were in kindergarten. Because I remember, um, this is a weird fact, but when 9-11 happened, it was 2001. And yeah. I remember being in kindergarten. Because mm-hmm. my dad was a pilot. So we were like freaked out. Mm, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That would make sense. Okay, so some information I got from the movie or about the movie from this website I use called Disney Wiki. And I'll post all the like links I use for my resources in the description. Um, but from them, it states that this is the third animated film from Pixar that um, was released exclusively on the streaming platform Disney Plus after Soul and Luca. Um, I don't know which one of those two was released first exclusively on Disney Plus, but this is the third one after those two. Um, and then the development of Turning Red actually began all the way back in 2018 and was pitched by the creator who I will talk about a little bit later back in October of 2017. So this movie has technically been in the making since 2017. And I know a lot of well, movies are always like that. Like it takes a while because, you know, the pre-production is like the majority of it before the actual production. But then I, I, you just got to imagine like animation, like with the drawings and the redrawings and the storyboard. I'm sure there's tons of changes that usually happens and things like that. So it's crazy to think that this movie was, you know, pitched all the way in 2017 and it just came out in 2022. It's still so hard for me to say 2022. Like I, it's... believe it yeah you gotta consider a pretty much a whole year of loss too though because like movies that are coming out out now are the ones that were affected by covid like we had releases during that time but those were already done so like the ones that were in production now are gonna be like a year behind because they're now experiencing the effects of it yeah exactly so also, according to that website, this film is actually the first Pixar film to be solely directed by a woman. Um, and I had to look it up, too, because it also brought up Brave. Um, but the movie Brave wasn't like solely directed by a woman. It was like two. There was like three directors for that movie. So like two were men and one was women. But this one was like solely there's one director and she was a woman. So this is their first like woman directed film since that company's been around. <laughs> Um, this is the first. That's so. Really, that's pretty awesome. It is awesome, but like at the same time, you know how I mentioned like a while ago how I hate how they're still first for stuffs. Like it's twenty twenty two, guys. Come on, and this is the first right. woman directed film. We won't get into that. It's awesome, but at the same time, it's like we still got a long way to go. Yeah. Um, this is also the first film to take place like the setting to be in Canada, um, and this is actually the second feature. To have an Asian lead character after Up, which I didn't know that. Is the little boy in Up Asian? I believe so. How did I never know that? Or just not paid attention, maybe? I don't think I paid attention either. 
now, I, that, he, now that I think about it. Yeah, after I saw that and mm-hmm. I looked it up, I was like, oh my God, he is. But like, I don't know. I just never, I didn't, I don't know. I just never thought about it. I don't know if I connected it at the time, but I rem- I can see what he looks like in my head. So yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then this also marks t- Pixar's 25th featured film since the creation of the company. So this is Pixar's own, like 25th movie that they've made. Which is kind of a lot, and they're like not a lot at the same time. I don't know. It's interesting. And then I also wrote this down because um, I don't know if I ever talked about this. I've talked about like liking drawing for a while, but like I really wanted to get into animation when I was younger. Um, I still kind of do, but I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it's too late. But there's this really good book that I had to read in college um, for one of my entertainment classes. I didn't finish it. I might try to see if I can find it again to finish it. But it's called Creativity Inc. Overcoming the Unseen Forces That Stand in the Way of True Inspiration. That's the whole title. It's very long. Um, (laughs) By Amy Wallace and Edwin Catmull. And they both are basically like I know Edwin for sure I'm not sure about um this Amy person but he's like basically the co-founder of Pixar and it basically is like a biography of like how the company came to be and like their struggles because you know Pixar is like I think they're the first company to make the first like computer generated animation that wasn't hand-drawn like all computer generated with Toy Story right I think they talk about that in the book if I remember it correctly that would make sense yeah so it's really interesting because like pixar went through a lot and then there was like a lot of times like they were going to go bankrupt and like how steve jobs basically saved the company by putting money into it and i might i need to go back and rewatch it and then they talk about the struggle of like getting toy story 2 produced and like out there yeah that maybe really? the making wow. of that movie really almost like basically burned the company to the ground. So I do remember that from the book, but it's it's really good if people like to read. And I might like I said, I might need to go back and look for it to finish it. Mm. So. So, yes. So. Nice. Yes, the synapse on Disney Plus about Turning Red. So Turning Red introduces Mei Lee, a confident, dorky teenager torn between staying her mother's dutiful daughter and the chaos of adolescence. Her protective, if not slightly overbearing mother, Ming, is never far from her daughter, an unfortunate reality for the teenager. And as if changes to her interests, relationships, and body weren't enough, whenever she gets too excited, she poofs into a giant red panda. And then the tagline for the movie is growing up is a beast. I disagree with the slightly overprotective mother. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> you mean she's not over, she's not slightly, she's very overbearing. Very. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's wrong wording. <laughs> They were trying to say it nicely. Mm-hmm. So, but again, we'll get more into that when we talk about the movie. So let's bring up the cast and crew. So the creator of this whole movie is by the woman name of Domi Shi. Oh, I should probably say this before I continue. I am so sorry. I always have to do that if I butcher any of these names. Okay. Just letting you know, I'm trying my best, <laughs> especially with pronunciation. <laughs> Disclaimer. <laughs> so sorry if I butchered any of these names. So like I was saying, the creator is Domi Shi. The producer of this movie is Lindsay Collins. Um, it was written by Domi Shi, Julia Cho, and Sarah Streicher. 
Um, and this was also directed by Domi Shi. So she like had her hand in this whole movie from the creation to like the writing, um, the storyboarding, all that. And she was the first woman director of Pixar. And she has been working with Pixar for quite a bit. Um, I saw her on, what is that website? I don't know why I'm bad with like acronyms. I don't, I always want to mix some letters together. It's I, it's ID, is it IBMD? Is that the website? Or is it? IDMB, I think. Or is it IBMD? You know, y'all know what I'm talking <laughs> about. The website yeah. you go to to look up about all the movies. Um, her like little biography thing. She helped create the storyboard for Incredibles 2, Toy Story 4, Inside Out, The Good Dinosaur. Um, and she actually also won an Oscar for the Pixar short um, Bao. And I remember seeing this little short. It came on before The Incredibles 2 because I saw The Incredibles yeah. 2 in the theaters. Yeah, yeah. It was about the one with the mother and she makes a dumpling and the dumpling comes alive. Uh-huh. And the dumpling's supposed oh, okay, to represent yeah, yeah, yeah. her son. Yes, it was yeah. very cute. I might need to go back and rewatch it. I know it's on Disney Plus. So, but she wanted- also for the acronym, it's IMDb. IMDb. See, I wasn't even close. Yeah, <laughs> me neither. Like last week when I was re-listening, when I was um editing for our rant episode, the feast, I realized I said LBGT and not LGBT. <laughs> I was like, seriously, Simone? It's okay. I'm sure they understood. <laughs> I hope so. It's only with acronyms I do that. I don't know why. I always get the letters confused. No. Anyway. But yes. So we'll get into the cast himself. So May Lee, which is our main character, is voiced by Rosalie Chang. Um, Ming, which is her mother, is played by Sandra Oh. Uh, May's father is played by Oren Lee. Miriam, which is one of her friends, is played by Ava Morris. Abby is played by Hyun Park. Now, this is the one I was afraid of messing up. The girl who plays Pyra. Priya. Priya, yes. Sorry, see. Um, I think you say her name is, I don't know her last name, but the first name is Maitri. Maitri. You know what, I'm going to text this real quick. Text this to you real quick so you can say it because I would feel really bad if I butchered this. Okay, I just texted you. That's how you say her last name. Yeah, so Rame Ramakrishnan. Okay. Maitri Ramakrishnan, yeah. And she plays pa- Say the character's name one more time. It's Pira, she, right? Priya? Priya. Priya. Okay. Priya, yeah. Uh, like instead of Prius, it's just a yeah. So Priya, <laughs> you know. But I don't know why I was thinking it was pronounced something different. Um, but yes, that is Priya. She's also from that um, one Netflix show, The Voice Actress. Yes, I don't remember what show it is. I know it's pretty popular. Um, hold on. Never Have I Ever, I think. That's what it's called. Yeah, that one. Never Ooh. Have I Ever, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen it, but... I haven't seen it either. I just know I've... Have. No, that's a different one I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of this one called Ginny and something. So I don't know. But I do yeah. know that one is popular. Okay, so let me continue. Um, so Tristan Alaric Chen is um, plays Tyler. Oh, Tyler in this movie. Um, the grandma <laughs> is played by Wei Ching Ho. And Mr. Gao is played by James Hong. 
And then they don't have any speaking parts in this, but I thought I should just shout out the singers of Four Town. So like, <laughs> let's go with who I introduced as the wife, the main character, the leader. And I'm pretty sure the main voice in like all of the songs, Mr. Jordan Fisher, who plays yeah. the leader, or Robert, shout out to Jordan Fisher, okay? Because he made this group. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse is played by Finnis O'Connell. And if y'all don't know who that is, that's Billie Eilish's brother. This is older brother. Okay, I thought that name sounded familiar. Yes, but, and okay. I don't know if she also had any help with the music production in this, but I know like he helps her with her music. He writes so. most of her music. Yeah, I yes. believe so. Yeah. So he obviously helped like with the music production. I'm sure his voice is used in the singing for Fourth Town. Um, Aaron T is played by Topher. Nong, Taeyong is played by Grayson Villanueva, and Aaron Z is played by Josh Levi. And I also just wanted to bring up with this movie, I'll go ahead and bring it up now. I really enjoy watching like behind the scene things of like how things are created and like learning about the creators and stuff. So on Disney Plus, if you like want to watch the mm-hmm. movie and then watch this little documentary that's on there that's called Embrace the Pandit, I highly recommend it. So... Yeah, there is that, guys. It's the whole basis of the movie. Should I go ahead and talk about the little controversies now or wait till after we're done with the movies? I think I would get it out of the way and then we can focus on, like, the movie itself. Talk about it now? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so... Like I said, there's a couple because, you know, sometimes, especially when it pertains to like children's movie, there's a lot of things that people have to say. So um, the first one is basically just about like the puberty talk because this is basically like a puberty movie about May, like growing up and being like her own person. So like I know seeing online, there was like a lot of weird discussions talking about like how they brought up pads. Cause like when she first turns to the panda, you obviously could tell this is about her getting her period for the first time. She's a 13 year old girl. So it was just really weird mm-hmm. to me, like how there's just all these like negative discussions about like the movie talking about May getting her period. I mean, like this is something that happens in real life. And especially if you're a parent and parent of a woman, who has uteruses, we all get our periods. Mm-hmm. Like basic biology yeah. needs to be taught better in school, guys. Come on now. Yeah, I, don't, I don't really understand why it's such like a taboo topic. Like it it affects 50% mm-hmm. of the population and the other 50% right. should know about it because it's, you know, eventually at some point probably going to affect them too or their partner or whatever. You know, like you're going to eat whether you are in a relationship with someone who has one or you are related to someone who has one or you have a child that has one like it's it's gonna affect you at some point in your life exactly it's not something that should be held a secret because especially like this like you know we don't ask for this (laughs) if i could like not have a period i would not want it Mm -hmm. but it's something as women we have to deal with and make sure we're dealing with it healthy wise too. I think most people would choose not to. It's part of why the population continues to grow. So like, <laughs> so it's, I don't know. I think people think that it's it's taboo and yeah. it's it, people think that it's like quote unquote gross or whatever. And like, they don't want to talk about it. And like, mm-hmm. you should just deal with it on your own. But like, 
what about the girls that don't have the proper like parental background to teach them that you know like whether it's your parents or the school system teaching you about this thing that you're going to have to go through like there's got to be some education on it and if if a pixar movie can teach one little girl that it's okay to have this thing then they've succeeded (laughs) but they didn't really go into it per se like the details of it yeah no but like that's fine because like at the end of the day this still is like a child's movie but they still brought it up like it's a normal thing Mm -hmm. which it is so i think it's more about like the emotional thing and then like the i mean she is embarrassed by the fact that her mom like brings that stuff to school (laughs) which by all means i would have ran away but yeah so i don't know i don't know if they're like showing it are they showing it in a good light or not (laughs) but i think that was just to highlight the overbearingness yeah of of her mother yeah yeah not necessarily a commentary on that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah there's no problem with bringing it up either because like you said this is something normal and like girls her age and some even younger start Mm -hmm. that early so like you want to make sure they are properly educated of what is going to happen to them yeah and make sure they're healthy right even just the mention of it in like a major production is a is a step in the right direction because even though it's not like a uh physiological like discussion or like how you would be educated it's just like bringing it up like it's something normal that you can just talk about in passing rather than it being weird i also think like people have this weird like obsession over like being angry about it just because i don't know why we i mean biologically yes but like we associate girls that get their period with like oh they're ready for six now and that's not the case so it's also like this weird sexualization of the children that also makes me upset because that's not acceptable i don't know like it's hard to explain but that's another that's one thing i was kind of taking away from like the discussion i was seeing i'm like you uh anyway i don't know but this shouldn't be something like we're saying to be embarrassed about or sexualize either which is weird in itself Mm mm-hmm so the controversy itself was bringing up that topic? Yeah, like that was just, the whole just controversy? showing that... The fact that it was just in it, though. It was just in it, like, showing her she had pads. Mm. That's stupid, sorry. <laughs> no, it, it really <laughs> yeah. is. So... This forum was full of, like, what type of people? I mean, just, just about everybody. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I just said that just to say that, but it was, like, men, women, parents... I was gonna say, if you were looking at like a um, like an Asian forum, then it would make sense why they think it's taboo because it's still taboo in that area. So for them to see that like on a big screen, it's like, oh my gosh, whoa, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. So it makes sense why they had that kind of like reaction. I don't know about that. I know it's mostly like I feel like white people for me and like the conservative ones that I was seeing. <laughs> So, uh, that's interesting. Hmm. Considering all the other type of content content you see, exactly on TV, this and is P- really and PG movies. Have y'all seen Shrek? I love Shrek. Shrek is one yeah. of my favorite movies. But there's so many like sexual like jokes in that movie, and I'm like, this is a kids movie. <laughs> it's not Pixar, yeah. and it's not Disney, but still, right. And there's so many others I could name. Right. I think that that's been like forever. Like a lot of adult jokes are hidden in children's movies so that the parents that are forced to watch them uh, 
can laugh at things. <laughs> I guess. But I always, I also don't always see like yes, sometimes they're made for kids, but like I feel like adults can enjoy them too. Bring their youth back, and I mean like PG ones, not like yeah, yeah, no, by all means. I'm just saying, I think that was the original intent. Is all. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean shows like what's that one that's really popular with the children? Is like Coco Melon or something like that? Like, don't make me watch um. that. But I could do stuff <laughs> like this and mm-hmm. like even some G-rated movies. So. It's so funny regarding Coco Melon, slight tangent. It's like half my kids love it and half my kids hate it. And I'm just like, Coco Melon is not very representative of like a good show. But anyway, that's a different commentary for a different episode. I know nothing about it. I am not around children. So that's just one that I know <laughs> is popular among kids under 10, oh, right? It's very popular. Yeah. So that's the only example I could bring up. <laughs> I mean, it makes it onto Netflix's um, top 10. So you can imagine how popular it is. Yeah, no one's like our age anymore. No one remembers the Blues Clues or the Door Explorers or things like that. So, yeah. Okay. But anything else we want to talk about that first one? Just the. No. Personally, I just think it's the weirdness of the. Yeah, just that is stupid. Okay. Um, the next one that really stood out to me that I just want to bring out was like, I guess May's. And her friend's obsession with Four Town, and like I guess also just really getting into K-pop. Like I can sympathize a little bit better because especially when I was younger, like I've said this before, I wasn't really into like boy bands growing up. Mm-hmm. It was definitely like a later reaction, but like still, there's still just like a stigmatism of like fangirls and fangirling in general when it comes to just like mm-hmm. things women really enjoy. But no one ever says the same thing about men in sports. Right. Or just sports fans yeah, in hobby, general. Yeah. When do you ever see a fangirl go destroy a town because their team lost a game? Right. Well, we mm. won't get into that. Yeah, but anyway. sports fans are way more hardcore. <laughs> but like they're young. It's supposed to show them like they're they're still children. They're just excited about something. Why are you diminishing mm. their excitement but of like, something? This is, this is not the first time where they show that type of obsession though with like a, a group. In the movie, or are you just talking about in media? I'm just talking about in general. Like, in other movies, you see, like, people around that age, like, be obsessed with some sort of group. I guess because people are upset, like, they're still stigmatizing, like, I don't know, maybe just, like, the fangirl whole mantra, which they're not all like that. And maybe because mm-hmm. I am older, I'm not that crazy. Even if I was younger, that's just me personally. I'm not like that. But there are, like people that I know or like see when I do go to concerts who who just get that excited but it's just totally harmless so that's what I mean the yeah. harmless ones like they're just excited about seeing or hearing stuff that they love yeah at the end of the day it's just music like it's not hurting anybody <laughs> exactly and some of the comments her mom was saying in the movie the gyrating <laughs> I found that I found that comment hilarious it was pretty funny <laughs> the emphasis on gyrating yeah <laughs> uh, but yeah uh, I don't know I just, I just saw it more like I could like now as I'm into I guess my fangirl era I could see it better and just like just let them have fun and even then yeah. I just be like if that's not your thing, that's just not your thing. But like, they just want to, and plus mm-hmm. it's a bonding experience with her and her friends. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought it was cute. They're not doing, like I said, it's harmless. They're not doing anything. I would be more concerned if they're like some people where they're like saying certain stuff online or like 
speak almost stalkerish in a way. That's when you kind of have to be like, okay, dial it back a little or like, we need to talk about this. But the way they were portrayed, I think it was fine. The people who are saying that these girls are like way obsessed with these boys haven't seen BTS Stan Twitter. (laughs) Like, because they're just, to me, that they're really just into the music and they just want to go to the concert. Like those are their main goals. They're not like talking about, you know, their personal lives, like, or like, you know, harassing people about this group or whatever. They're like, literally just, we love these people. We love their music. We want to go to their concert. To me, that that's not like nearly to the point where you see some people like online in in real life. Because they're not like, it's not, if they're, if the whole movie was about their obsession with Four Town, it would be different. But like, yeah, they're exactly. just having yeah. fun. They're doing other things like, um, you know, like, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't seem that big of a deal to me. Like, May is still very into her grades and stuff. Like, she's not letting her obsession with Four Town distract her from her real goals and her personal life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She still wants to be, like, a straight-A student. Yeah. All that good stuff. Mm-hmm. I just saw it more as, like, a healthy balance. Mm-hmm. Personally. Yeah. Me too. Okay, but yeah. And then our last quote-unquote controversy like i only wrote these down they're all dumb to me to be (laughs) honest but i just thought like hey some more talking points for the movie and this is the one where i feel like it's the dumbest of them all no offense i feel like it's designed into cable i can say this like it's just a bunch of online stuff so this is gonna be the long one too so this is about who Four Town is based off of. Now, at first, <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Do you know a little bit about this, the face? I, I, no? I have a feeling of where okay. it's going, but. So I remember when before this movie even came out, we were getting pictures of like Four Town. You know, Taeyong obviously is supposed to be Korean. Mm-hmm. And then when you saw like his little background story, a bunch of armies were like, oh my God, the creator must have, you know, based him off of Jimin. He looks just like Jimin. So then an article, I can't find the actual article, but I remember seeing this and reading it. So there was an article came out where the creator, I guess she said she based it off of Big Bang and 2PM. Now I'll talk about my thing no. at first because... um I don't know a lot about 2 p.m., so I won't talk about them. But I don't really, I don't know a lot about Big Bang either, but every time I would listen to Big Bang songs or see them, I don't really see it because I feel like Four Towns kind of like that cutesy, like, not pretty, yeah, kind of pretty boy band where they're like, they'll take you home to your parents and your parents mm-hmm. will accept them where every time I think of Big Bang, I'm like, all the girls want them, but you wouldn't really want to take them home yeah. to your parents. I, yeah. So no. in that sense, I didn't see it as far as like the way Big Bang was like mm-hmm. promoted as a group. They were promoted more as like the hard, the, the boys, edgy, yeah. the bad boys type. Uh-huh. Yeah. I know more about 2PM and I would say if anything, it they Fort Hound leans way more towards 2PM than they it does do? Big okay. Bang. Okay, yeah. so I could see okay. that. But like even then I wasn't like when I first saw the pictures, I wasn't even thinking K pop because like, you know, K pop is 
based off of American boy bands from here. Like K-pop's very young. It only started in the 90s. And I think, someone correct me if I'm wrong, I think really where you can trace back like K-pop, like the groups we know now, like what it was derived from, like maybe 1992, maybe like actual 90s, but I think 92. But like when I saw them, I was thinking of like, you know, NSYNC, um, Backstreet Boys, Boys to Men, B2K. I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. They gave me more of like a Backstreet Boys. Yeah. When I initially saw it, because I didn't, I didn't know anything about this movie until you said it. I had no idea what they looked like. I had no concept of what anything was happening. When I, when they first appeared on screen, I thought One Direction. Yeah, like, you could say One Direction. <laughs> I was yeah. thinking like even like some, well, like I said, I wasn't into boy groups, but like in middle school, I was kind of like into this group called Mindless Behavior. I thought of them. Mm-hmm. So, and even mm-hmm. you can throw it back to like the Jackson 5. So mm-hmm. I was thinking more of those along those lines. And now articles now kind of say it was based off of 90s um, boy bands and America and K-pop. Yeah. And then they do mention like BTS also. So I don't really know which one was correct. I just remember that being a thing because you know how. Yeah. They just, for for me, at least, they gave off, like, want to be your boyfriend vibes. Yes. Where I don't get yeah. that from K-pop. <laughs> at least not the groups yeah. I listen to. Like, the kind of more basic, cheesy lyrics of just, like, I'll be this person to you, you know, kind of thing. Like, I don't I know. I get that from some K-pop groups that I listen I, to. I, I mean, every once in a while a song will be like that, but for the most part, I don't get that vibe. I think um, they're more like that in second gen than they are now, but... Yes, yes. If anything, second gen K-pop more so than anything. Yes, and I think I, the director is yeah. pretty young. I think she's in her early 30s. So like, I understand that too. But like, right. I was thinking, like when I first even read that, I'm like, I'm not even thinking K-pop. I'm honestly not even thinking BTS. I'm thinking like American boy mm-hmm. groups of the ones I just mentioned. And I guess we'll yeah. throw One Direction in there, even though they're not American, but still. They're, right. You yeah. know. Yeah, they they give off the boyfriend vibes though, for sure. <laughs> or like even Jonas yeah. Brothers. I thought of the Jonas Brothers yeah. a little bit. It works. No, for me, it was definitely like 90s, 90s boy bands. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Especially I, the way the tune is, too, of like the songs. Yes. It's definitely very 90s. Yeah. The song and the vibe of everything, I definitely would stray away from modern day K-pop. However, I do admit that the Asian character does look a little bit like Jimin. Like, if, you, like if you're German, gonna make, I will say it too. I don't care. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just like the, just the, the the smoldering look and the blonde hair and just I, there are. I can see how armies would be like, oh my gosh, he's just like modeled after him. I don't necessarily agree with the fact that he's modeled off of him, but there are comparisons that you can make there. Yeah, for sure. So I, I'm not going to deny that. that. <laughs> oh, I won't either. Because when I first saw that too, I'm like, oh my god, that would look like what Jimin would look like when he's animated. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, although he hasn't been blonde in a while though, but I like the black hair on I him. I feel like the blonde is mm-hmm. like kind of like an iconic moment, look like when him. you think yeah. of Jimin, and you might not necessarily be into it. Like that would be the image that you would think of. So yes, but I just want to to bring that up so it was just really the clash of that so mm-hmm. i mostly thought of the gr- the boy groups that i named earlier so yeah the, whole, the just, overall vibe the of overall the group vibe. definitely yeah it's just they're all just based off of different basically i feel like boy bands throughout the decades that what we grew up with 
Right. I think people who don't actually listen to K-pop, BTS specifically, would think that this is what they're like if they had never heard any of their stuff, if that makes sense. Like the stereotypical mm-hmm. boy band aesthetic. I think that's what they're portraying. But like, I don't even go, I wouldn't even go through, my mind doesn't go through K-pop first. Mine goes to the 90s of like I, NSYNC and Backstreet but, Boys. And even if, when I wasn't, right. I'm not old enough to like, to have been around to stand them and I wasn't exposed to their music, except for like, you know, the one or two popular ones. Right. I agree with you. But I'm just saying from if these these critics that are just looking at it from a faraway glance that aren't into this stuff, I feel like K-pop is exploding right now. So yeah. maybe they're they're thinking that it's it's like capitalizing off of the fact that K-pop's exploding right now, even though that's not really what modern day K-pop is like, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. That's my only thought process when it comes to like why critics are saying those things. I understand what you're saying. And just to derive for a little bit, just real quick. Um, if you have told me back when I was first getting into K-pop and specifically BTS, if that Jungkook was going to be the one that's most active on Instagram, I would have told you you're lying. Okay. <laughs> really? Man out here flirting with ARMY and I'm only upset because I don't know enough Korean to join in. Oh my gosh. Hey, I've, see, this is when you should be on TikTok because I follow a guy that's translating everything. <laughs> yeah, I get that so. on Twitter. I follow tons of translating. Okay. All right, on Twitter, yeah. But he so. says it like it's a voice. Oh, he, he verbalizes. He sa- okay, he verbalizes the Korean, and then he says what he's saying in English. See, I need to read it. I don't know if my heart can take that. Yeah, <laughs> hearing it. So. <laughs> and the people that keep telling them to speak English, please stop, please, and thank you. That's it. <laughs> we won't get into that, but something recently PSA. happened. It's just <laughs> annoying. It's it's just so annoying because like you never hear this. With, like, English-speaking celebrities, I don't, at least, as much as non-English-speaking celebrities. But the problem, Simone, is that everybody in America thinks that it's the superior language and that you should speak it. That's yeah, the problem. Yeah, I know that. I know that. Because <laughs> other countries don't think that way because that's the wrong way of thinking. So, like, yeah, mm-hmm. so that there's your problem right there. Is there are people in America that think that English is the superior language. So, and they're too lazy to learn other languages. I'm just <laughs> trust so. me. If, I, if this was not my first language, if I didn't have to speak this language, I would not. It's very difficult for no reason. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pro- I think that's why that you don't see it in other countries because they don't have that superiority complex going on. <laughs> so. Yeah. Already complex of white supremacy, but we won't get into that. Let's get back into the movie, guys. What is happening? That's pretty much much it. Let's get into the actual movie. I have something else too, but I'll save this for the end because I feel like this is more appropriate till the end. But let's let's actually talk about the movie. I'm done. Okay. I promise. Shall we start going into my topics? Yes, please. Before I go back to my rant. So my first topic that I think we should talk about is um, I personally haven't really experienced this. Like I, of course, want to please my parents and whatnot, but the idea of honoring your parents and meeting certain expectations in other cultures, I think we should talk about that first because that's kind of where the movie starts talking about how she, you know, has you, you see her, how much she struggles to meet every little thing that her mom wants right in the beginning and how she's been raised up to this point. 
So as an Asian person, I can say that's like a thousand percent accurate. <laughs> like, you know, that little bit at the beginning where she's like, um, they feed you, they clothe you. And then in return, you have to do like every little thing yes. they tell you to do. That is, for the most part, pretty accurate. Um, some people are just more overbearing about it. Some people are, some people are less. But like the idea is still there. It's like, OK, we're doing this for you. So in exchange, you got to do this, this and that. And like the whole concept of like maintaining really good grades and doing well, performing well, that that's a big that's a big aspect of Asian culture, not just in like China or Japan, but like in other Asian countries, too. Yeah, I can't speak like from an Asian culture perspective or even like an immigrant perspective. But I can speak from just like being a black person where it's, it's kind of the same thing. And especially like when you have parents who like didn't grow up financially wealthy enough and just, you know, mm -hmm. the history of like black people yeah. in this country. So like it is kind of the same mentality where like you try to make sure your kids grow up to be better than what you were. Try to make sure you beat the odds and you're not like in a poor or worse situation as mm -hmm. they were. And then like me, I remember, was it the either the one year anniversary or like the word back me and Afis and Brianna kind of brought this up, how like we have this thing, especially our parents were like, they don't try to, but like they try to make sure we go above and beyond just to make sure we're okay. in this yeah. unfamiliar, you know, territory, mm -hmm. we're like, we didn't ask to be here, but we kind of are. So we're just making sure we're settling, you know? So I understand mm -hmm. that pressure of making sure I had good grades, trying to find a good, stable job that like pays more. I mean, obviously that's not mm -hmm. where I'm at right now, but just that pressure as a kid, like I was very hard on myself and like, I feel like I didn't let myself have as much fun and do the things that I want to do as I'm doing mm -hmm. now. So like I related to May on that level a lot when I was watching this. I was very serious as a child. I didn't become like yeah. on serious and relaxed, honestly, until I became like 18. I was going to say the same 19. thing. That's why I got into anime so late because like I started doing stuff yeah. for myself and not trying to feel so pressured and worried about my future. Right. So, you know, I don't I have... mean, for me though, mm -hmm. go ahead. <laughs> you good. Go first. No, I was just going to say like for me, I wasn't like serious, serious, but like I took. Well, okay, I guess you could count this seriously, but I took everything I did seriously, but it wasn't to the point where I was like stressing about the future because I already felt like I was very confident as a child because of my grades and everything. So I wasn't stressing per se, but yeah, like as far as like doing things for myself, that was like never a priority. It was just like, okay, get your grades in, get everything you need to be successful and first and then worry about all that. Yes. And then like, it was like, yeah. get that job, get the money, make sure you're secure and then you can pay mm -hmm. your parents back. So, yeah. But like the older, the older that I've been getting, like the less serious I've become like 17 or 18 year old me was more of an adult than I am now. Oh, for sure. So it's I like, for me, even I feel like 15, 16 year old me was more like of an adult than I am now. So if she saw me yeah. now, she'd be like, who are you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was just going to say that I like I didn't experience I have no ref point of reference for like cultural or racial like um, challenges. Like I didn't have to go mm -hmm. through that because I am white. So I don't have that background in like, oh, you have to beat 
the rest of the people. However, I did experience a lot of like judgment, like just if you don't do a certain certain things a certain way, you won't meet the expectations of the people behind you. And then like on top of that, I was always really scared as a kid because I grew up watching a single parent and I was like, I don't want to be in this situation. I need to make sure that I am doing well and I'm going to have a good job so that I can support myself because I was expected to be by myself and not have anybody help me. So that was where my like Mm. drive came from is that I don't want to like I have to be able to support myself. That was like always the like goal. It's like I can't rely on anybody but myself to get myself through life. <laughs> so like that was my right. mentality as a sense. kid, even though there weren't like super strict guidelines put on me. I was like, well, I have to mm-hmm. figure it out on my own because like who's going to help me? And that's not true because I have a support system now and I've come to realize that. But like as a kid, mm-hmm. that's what I thought. <laughs> so and then like I think like something all three of us can relate to is like we are women. So like this is yeah. a very male dominant society (laughs) so we have to push ourselves and then like for me and Nafis like I'm black and she's Asian so we have to even go beyond that because like we are women and we're people of color so we have to go even further beyond to like prove that we're worth living here which is really sad to say but like that's what we feel like sometimes Mm -hmm. yeah but no like actually Macy, your point brought up something because I remember like growing up, my dad would always be like, he did this specifically for the girls, which is not typical, but like he was always like pro independent. He always told me like, you need to be independent. You need to have your own thing going because you never know how things are going to turn out. So you have to be able to rely on yourself versus like, you know, the people around you. So that just reminded me of that. And my mom too, like, She's a stay-at-home mother, and she's always telling me, like, you need to have your own thing going, because even if you do decide to do this later, you will always have something to go back to. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, just reminded me of that. I have no, like, my family doesn't have a good track record for, like, successful relationships. So I grew up with the idea that it wasn't going to work out, regardless of what I did. I don't think that now. Um, I've taught myself Mm -hmm. out of that. But I definitely had that misconception when I was younger, like at this age, like, oh, I'm never going to get married because it's going to fail. So like that was a yeah. something that I had to overcome. But Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Like the older you get, there's so many things you have to like unlearn in order yourself, to move forward. Yeah. yeah. And then like, yeah. that's kind of my struggle too. Like I'm kind of the opposite with both of you guys. It's it was kind of weird because like I had helicopter parents and then I didn't. So like. I was always told like I need to start doing stuff for myself but then like if I ask for something or if I try to do something they would do it for me so like my struggle with growing up is just making sure I know how to take care of myself because Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. I would always say like I can I am pretty dependent but then there's some like I feel like basic stuff where like that's always been done for me so like I'm being told to be independent but like in the background it's being done for me so and then another thing with like Macy like the track record of not being a good relationship so like and I've said that now like I've never been in a relationship because like I'm kind of scared they'll never Mm -hmm. work out so I've never really put myself out there because I just never feel like they're gonna work out right I was definitely forced to become independent at a very early age because childcare was really expensive and my mom didn't Mm -hmm. make a ton of money 
Um, we lived in a lot of one bedroom apartments where she would sleep on like a futon in the living room and put me in the bedroom and like, you know, paycheck to paycheck being able to eat. So like we couldn't afford childcare. So like from the age of like 11 or 12, I was home alone cooking for myself, getting myself to school, riding my bike to school, like things like that. So I think when you're put in that situation, you have to grow up fast and you learn those independent traits that eventually helped me in real life, but it also stressed me out as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so <Yeah>. like, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. There's no perfect way to grow up, I suppose. It, it helped you, but it stressed you out and it made you more independent than mm-hmm. you needed to be. Yes. At an earlier age. Yeah. So, okay. Well, <laughs> deep guys, we're getting deep today. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it just it just proves to show that we're. I think all three of us are from very different backgrounds, but at the end of the day, we've all struggled with like the same kind of thoughts growing up and whatnot. Yeah. So, but it's it's interesting to hear each perspective because each person struggles with different things. Yeah. Yeah. So. Speaking of struggles, my next bullet point <laughs> transition is the struggles of expression and finding yourself during this time of growing up. Hmm. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah. I guess I can go first this time. I mean, I've already explained that a little bit earlier this episode. Like, I was very serious as a kid. Like, I didn't really let myself have fun because I didn't think. I was supposed to, or like I'd be looked differently. Like there's this weird stereotype I was trying to get away from, like, cause I am a black woman and I feel like if I showed any type of emotion, I'd just be looked as like uneducated or like mm-hmm. ratchet, as some people say, or ghetto. So like at a younger age, I really, especially where I grew up, like I grew up in a very predominantly white area and even still now. So like I try to like kind of keep that to myself. When, as I started getting older, I'm like, why do I really care how they perceive me like that? Like, I just want to have fun. So that's really kind of my ultimate goal now. It's just, and even mm-hmm. people like that, like, why, why does it matter? Right. Yeah, definitely. Like, when I was younger, I think I tried to portray myself as more adult-like than I was because of that having to grow up quickly. So, like, at one point, like, I threw away all my stuffed animals. I used the color pink less because I didn't want to be associated with, like, being a girly girl and whatnot. And, like, Mm -hmm. stereotypical gender identified colors that don't mean anything. Like, (laughs) that's another rant. But, like, um, I think in recent years, I've just, like, I don't care anymore. Like, I'm a creative personality. I don't want to fit, like, this perfect... Like you, I guess my stereotypical thing would be girl next door. Like that's what people place on me. And I just, you know, I'm more of a creative spirit. So like in recent years, it's like, oh, my, my grandparents judge me for dyeing my hair pink, but I don't care anymore. (laughs) Like I'm just having more fun with like my wardrobe choices, my hair color choices, my music choices. It's just, I don't care anymore. Like, I used to care so much about what other people thought of me. And, like, even in, in like, middle, like, eighth grade to through high school, I t- was so petrified of people finding out that I watched anime because I didn't want to be bullied. <laughs> mm-hmm. And now it's like, I don't Aww. care. I wear my graphic tees into work. Like, I talk about it with people. And it's just, like, 
it's you shouldn't be ashamed about like liking certain things like this group that they like like if there's something to be ashamed about it's just a music group that you like and her wanting to keep her red hair and wear earrings (laughs) like just wearing jewelry and makeup and like things like that it's like gatekeeped at a certain age and then i just don't Mm -hmm. care anymore like i'm gonna wear what i want i'm gonna color my hair what i want who cares what you think about it so I definitely feel that, especially in the area that I live in. Like, I feel like it's very typical, like, you're one thing, so you see it as one thing. So, like, Mm -hmm. it's me, especially not, Mm -hmm. like, growing up, like, listening to that much hip-hop or not knowing the newest, like, music or TV shows that were out. Like, I was always behind on the trends. So, like, I never wanted to talk to anyone because I never knew what they were talking about. Like, I still watched kids' shows until, like, a very early teen age where I feel like most of my friends were getting out of that and trying to be like grown. Yeah. Or like my parents would always tell me growing up, if you have colored hair, piercings or tattoos, people won't take you seriously. So I was always afraid of that. And now I have all three and I don't give a crap (laughs) because if people are going to like me, people are going to like you for you. They're not going to care about what you've decorated yourself with. So. Yeah. If you want to share with the class. I think I've been pretty fortunate, honestly, with like the people that I grew up with that I went to school with. I never really had like an expression issue. Um, yeah, if anything, like the biggest struggle I probably had was like my expression of faith. And I that was only because I was still learning the religion at a much deeper level. So like some parts of it seemed hard. But other than that, it was pretty okay. Um, the anime bit that you were talking about, I'm I'm actually really surprised that a lot of people had like the stigma. Like I didn't realize mm-hmm. that because at my high school, a lot of the kids were into anime. So there was never like this, oh my gosh, you watch anime? Ew, like that type of, you know, mentality. Well, yeah, me and Macy grew up in like a small but not type of small town. So it's definitely just like if you watched anime, you're weird. Yes, so, they were like yeah. the kids. They all sat at one table together or like on the, along the hall, like walls, they would sit in the halls instead of like in the cafeteria and whatnot and Mm -hmm. i was very much like the rest of us were like i played a sport i was on the swim team like we just i don't know you know we weren't i think we were kind of in the middle i would say like we weren't like popular kids but we weren't in the like stereotypical i hate using this word but weird group like yeah Mm -hmm. that's what people called it so like we were somewhere in the middle like just (laughs) it was very important to me to stay under the radar I don't want to be popular I don't Mm want to be weird I just want to be normal I don't want anybody to look at me I don't want them to to leave me alone exactly (laughs) (laughs) so now it's yeah like high school wise I'm grateful like I didn't have to go through like all of kids that. are like harsh. We were, all, we were all weird collectively. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it worked out that way. Right. Looking back at it, I probably would have had a lot more fun if I had just embraced that side of myself, but it yeah. was yeah. too scary and I didn't want to be bullied. So, and like we right. had fun in our own little friend group. I feel like we mm-hmm. weren't at school. So, like, and I was even scared to mm-hmm. tell you guys. I didn't tell you guys until we were like, I think juniors or senior in high school. Like, we figured out, we, we, we had both figured out that we were watching anime and we didn't tell each other. So like, <laughs> like this the is fact why me and that I are still friends. <laughs> yeah, the fact that yeah. we realized we were both just like hiding. Yeah, being ourselves. Like, we couldn't even yeah. tell our friend groups that we were into that stuff. So like that really shows how like it was perceived back then. Mm-hmm. So at least where we grew up. So 
Yeah. That's so interesting. Didn't want to be looked as the weird black girl. Because I don't even think, well, trying to think of a lot of people in our area when I was going to school, watched anime and stuff like that. Like even Precious now, like she just started getting into anime and she's like, I don't know what I've been missing. I'm like, I've been trying to tell you, girl, it's fire. (laughs) I think it's just the stereotype of like, at that time, the stereotype of like what people were like that watched it. But people now that we're growing up, I know a lot of people that have like gotten into it later in life because the stigma's gone. It's just a cool form of entertainment now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure some people still think it's odd, but like for the most part, it's not like anything crazy, you know? So that's how I see like K pop now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also like it. I think more so in middle school than anything. I was already being bullied for being overweight, so I didn't want to add to it with the anime thing as well. So I experienced some bullying because of that. But so I was just so like into like, I also have social anxiety probably because of that. (laughs) So I was just chameleoning myself to like, don't look at me, you know, don't look at me. Don't talk to me. Mm -hmm. I'm a wallflower. Yes. Yeah. It took me until the... The age that I am, yeah. It took me till the age that I'm at now, which is 24, almost 25, to start wearing my glasses out in public again because I did (laughs) actually get bullied in, like, elementary school for wearing glasses. Mm -hmm. And then when I was able to wear contacts in, like, fifth grade, like, I would not step out of my house without wearing contacts. Right. So I'm just now getting comfortable wearing glasses. I was a chubby kid that wore glasses. I tried contacts and my eyes would just get dry. Yeah. And I'm like, no. Gave up on that a while ago, but and like, cause, cause, like, even now, yeah, I'm trying to be better. Like, even just taking care of like my parents. Like, I didn't realize I like getting my nails done, cause I was always like, I don't need to get my nails done. So I've been getting my nails done more, but I'm not used to the length of when I put my contacts in, cause they're a little bit longer. And every time mm-hmm. I put in contacts, my nails are super short. So that's another reason why mm-hmm. I'm wearing glasses. Besides, also my new job, you know, I sit in the computer in a room all day, so like they're straining my eyes with the contacts. So my mm-hmm, eyes feel right. a little better wearing glasses. But it's just like things like that that like made the change. And I'm like... I just realized we all wear glasses. Yeah, we do. <laughs> it was like, why was I always so afraid to like... There are tons of people that wear glasses. But I was just so afraid to step out my outside. I love my glasses now. No, I had that same yeah. thing too. In seventh grade, like... I was told I needed glasses in seventh grade, but I liked how I looked without glasses. Oh, but I then it got like to a point where... Grade. I wore glasses. No, and then it got to a point where I was like, I could not see for the life of me and I couldn't like get my permit, like driver's permit without it. So Mm -hmm. I bit the bullet and I just started wearing glasses. Right. Now I consider my glasses part of my fashion and I get complimented on them all the time. But Mm -hmm. it's like people are constantly asking me where I got them. So it's like completely different now. But it also might have something to do with the styles have changed. Like now I have the, the clear like wire rimmed glasses that are cool quote unquote where yeah. in, in middle school and high school I had like the really thick <laughs> like oh my god I had those horrible round yeah. metal ones at one point oh I had some really ugly glasses when I was younger <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie gosh I look back at photos of me and I'm like who let me get those glasses <laughs> right <laughs> It's yeah. probably what you could afford too. Probably. You're probably right. <laughs> to be honest. I used to wear I used to wear like really squared glasses. I don't know mm-hmm. what I was thinking. But yeah. 
I had the super, super thick black ones that are stereotypical. And my dad picked mm-hmm. those out for me. And my I was so mad at him at like why he would do that to me. And then I had those super like ovally shaped ones that are like metal. <laughs> so the two probably worst glasses you can ever have. I had both of them <laughs> at some point. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Let's move on. Let's from not glasses. relive middle school. I'm getting flashbacks. <laughs> well, that's the point of this movie. Basically, we're like reliving our youth, Gosh. and like just like the movie, it's like cringy, but like it's part of growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I don't feel so, like kids nowadays go through this sense. embarrassment like we did, especially with the fashion. Oh my yeah. gosh. It's not fair. <laughs> I, I have pictures, right? I have pictures of myself wearing literally only blue eyeshadow. Like no mascara, no eyeliner, no nothing I else. Just blue eyeshadow. Too. It was yeah. just eyeshadow and nothing yeah. else. Right? Why did we do that? We were so confident that we didn't need it. That's why. No, it's because we didn't know what the hell we were doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's why. That too, I guess. People in middle school and high school nowadays are like professional makeup artists. I don't you understand. Right. On TikTok giving tutorials. Yeah. They all look so much older than we did. We looked like yeah. infants. Compared I remember to the- stepping into middle school and I felt like everyone looked like giants. Like, I just mm-hmm. felt like everyone was so much taller than me. And I had a growth spurt. Like, I was pretty tall, like, fifth grade and I stopped growing. So, like, the height mm-hmm. I am now, I've been this since, like, middle school. So. Yeah. I got tall really quickly. That was another <laughs> reason I was bullied because I was literally taller than everyone else. Pretty much through second grade to fifth grade. And then the boys caught up in middle school, but. Oh God, those times, those times. (laughs) All right, Macy, what's your next talking point? Okay, next talking point is just the general concept of different parenting styles. So like, do you think her mother was right in being so concerned because of the fact now after knowing that she knew about this curse that may have caused her to be so overprotective, but like her parenting style versus like parenting styles in general. Do you think she was wrong? Do you think she was right? How could she have handled it better? What not? That's my next topic. Um, I don't think she was, I don't think she was wrong. So like, I understand where her strictness came from because she knew like prior, like, okay, this could possibly, this will happen to her. Mm -hmm. I just think she could handle, she could have handled some of the things better. Like when she found the notebook instead of just rushing over. That to was, the store. I would never. I would have smacked my mom. I would have ran away if that happened yeah. to me. I would have wished I for the ground to open and for me to just be like sucked in. Like, be like, I don't like, live here anymore. It was. it was nice knowing you guys. Four townies, four yeah. town forever. I'm out. Right. Yeah. And then like that other part where she's like creeping on her own <laughs> child at the school yes like, yeah she just pulls mother out the got, pads like you didn't have to do all that she got trespassed from never being able to enter school grounds again from doing that right it's like if you wanted to give your kid something go through the front office do you like, like what the security guard was telling you when he was trying to get you away from the tree right. well, why don't we go to the front office ma'am <laughs> we will call your daughter here mm-hmm. <laughs> like come on yeah. <laughs> Yeah, But I really like, though, how they portrayed her parenting style as, like, strict, but it was, like, there was still love there. Like, it was, like, mm-hmm. a tough love type situation. So yeah. it, was, it was portrayed really well, I think. Right. I liked that they still had, like, a really good relationship, even if it was, like, yeah. slightly manipulated by her mom, I feel like. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. she wouldn't have been 
so into her mom. I feel like it's almost a little unhealthy. Um, However, as much as I can understand where she's coming from with the curse, I think that her parenting style, she's, I feel like she's going to repeat history with her own mother if she continued down that path, if that makes sense. You know, Mm -hmm. like you would, you would have thought that she would have learned a little bit about putting all of these expectations on her own kid with how she felt about having those expectations placed on her. So it's like, Mm -hmm. did we not learn from how we were raised, you know, because like, I know I've taken a lot of from what I have been raised, like, and it was okay, I really want to do these things, because they really helped me. And I don't want to do these Mm -hmm. things, because they really contributed to the issues that I have now. So like, I feel like she's not being very, (laughs) like, retrospective about how much harm this caused her as a kid. So but I can sympathize also in a way because like you're saying the generational thing, like mm-hmm. this is what she grew up with. So like maybe she didn't know she was doing the same thing. She thought True. she was being better mm-hmm. than her own mother. And like, we don't really get a background on like Ming that much. So we don't know what she probably had to do mm-hmm. in order to try to change it, but like not really change it. So like, I kind of yeah. sympathize in a way yeah. with that. You don't know don't, her situation as well. I don't think she was as overbearing as her mother. Cause as you mm-hmm. can see, she was scared of her mother where I don't think if she yeah. kept doing that with May, May would have been as scared of her. She probably would have been like how she is now. Didn't really want to tell her anything like trust her as far as like deep secrets, mm-hmm. but they would still be kind of close and not close. But I don't right. think she may would have been at the level of being scared of her mother as Ming was scared of her own mother so yeah i agree yeah Yeah. i can certainly understand being like terrified once she knew that the transformation had happened and wanting to follow her around but i also feel like she caused her transformation by embarrassing her so much in that store like her first strongest emotion was embarrassment so she's the reason that it came out as early as it did (laughs) so yeah Nah, I would have wanted to disappear if that ever happened to mm-hmm. me. Talking yeah. about you lost a, what did she say? You lost a customer of the Daily yeah. Mart or whatever it was called. Oh, I'm like, I've heard that many times working in retail. Like, lady, I don't care. But mm-hmm. it was just like, she was so quick to blame others for May yes. changing and not looking at May becoming her own person. So that's actually another thing I wanted to bring up is like, I like, like, I understand her parenting style, but at the same time, like like you said, she was always blaming other kids. Like her kid could do no harm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When it was really just all her. This and whole we time. also know that too, because like May could have turned out especially differently with being like privileged and like yeah. sneaky, even more sneaky than she was if she wasn't so dorky and like, could it cause her more trouble? And harm Mm -hmm. to herself if she kept doing that. If her mom was always going to become, like, basically take her side, even if she did something wrong, but she doesn't believe she did anything wrong. There's too many horror stories of that, like, in real life, where parents are like that with their children, and their children, to be on the extreme side, become, like, serial killers. So, Mm -hmm. like, literally, I'm not even trying to joke. (laughs) It can be that serious. And then, like, you see documentaries, like, I don't know what happened. You know, my child was always the best. They got straight A's. They could never do no wrong. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then another point I wanted to bring up about, like, 
I think the parenting styles may have some effect on this. The fact that her mom's panda is so much bigger. Oh my god, I was so like, surprised yeah. at the end. I was like, yo, her like, mom is so big. Like, like that is, is really the size. when the husband <laughs> was talking about how, like, hers was destructive, yeah. but, like, we didn't really have an <laughs> how idea big it was until we then, saw it. Then everybody's. No. Right. Bigger she than her mom, bigger <laughs> than her sisters. Like mm-hmm. it was as big as the stadium, right. the Sky so Dome. Do, yeah. Do we agree that like the size of the panda is based on the repressed emotions? Is that what we're? Oh yes, for hundred, one hundred percent. Okay, so like, yeah. Maze is the smallest, so her parenting style probably is the best out of all of the pandas of, so far. Yes. Yeah, but because we don't know like her aunts, like their children. But, like, mm-hmm. also, I don't know the age range between Ming and, and her sisters. Because, like, I don't know if she felt so much pressure. Because I don't know if she's, like, the firstborn or maybe she's, like, the lastborn to where, like, mm-hmm. she felt like she couldn't keep up with her sisters. Or I don't know in that situation as well either. Mm-hmm. So, because it doesn't seem like yeah. her mother was as harsh as her sisters as she was on Ming. Except for Lily. She kept telling Lily to shut up. And I was like, <laughs> was like damn, what you got against Lily? <laughs> Yeah. every time she started like talking she'd just be like lily be quiet <laughs> <laughs> so that that was a little like funny but at the same time that might be why ming's was so much bigger than the rest i don't know mm-hmm. where the age range and the like pressure she was getting from her mother ranged as far as right. among her sisters Adam, I'm not sure if you guys caught this but remember how like when they were doing the ritual for Mei Mei and like the mother's um her amulet started to break and then everyone was like how could you do this how could you like fail and things like that and so that embarrassment caused her to bring her panda out Mm -hmm. so it was just like this ongoing like cycle and that's one of the things that was brought up like with the thing like i can't relate to it like from an asian or just even like an immigrant like if i came from somewhere else to america thing about the generational thing and i know the creator talked about that a little bit in that um, documentary that I watched after the movie, the um, Embracing the Red. So I can't relate to that on that level, but I know that has to deal with it too. So mm-hmm. just basically like breaking generational, I won't say curses, but just like what your family went through. And then like with theirs is like finding that balance of like, since they are Asian, that Eastern culture and Western culture and learning how to live with the two. Cause that's kind of like what yeah. I feel like may, yeah, may may's um, Panda represents kind of not just her mm-hmm. going through puberty, but also learning how to balance her cultures. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Well then speaking of balance, <laughs> my traditions today. <laughs> <laughs> we're really um, bad at them but <laughs> what? it's fine nothing keep going did you say I'm bad at them I, thought I they said we are we're up. all bad at them oh gosh okay well, you're doing better Macy balance. just keep going don't listen to me my, my next point is like the importance of outside influences and friends to like balance this like work life cultural like I feel like her friends were really the reason that she was able to control this. So like talk about the importance of having outside influences that taught you, you know, different things than just your family taught you. Yeah. I think it's important to have positive outside influences, whether Mm -hmm. it's like in the form of a mentor or friends or just people you work with. Like Mm -hmm. I know that having people who are on your side 
makes dealing with like personal things much more easier. Kind of mm-hmm. like how Mamie was going through. And so, I, yeah. I think it helps too when you have people that like know your situation but are in aren't in your situation, so they mm-hmm. can give like yeah. different perspectives. Not like you always have to take their right. advice, but they can help but a little clarity. bit. There's clarity. Yeah. yeah. You can see things from like an outside view. Yeah, I also feel like if you're exposed to a lot at an early age, if you're too sheltered, you can be thrown into the world and then just absolutely fall apart when you're like tasked yeah. with with functioning, exactly. you know? So Me like, right now. Right. <laughs> so like having her friends' perspectives and having like the outside influences of school and like people really embracing her panda like they weren't scared of her they wanted to be around her they wanted they liked the new her um gave her the opportunity to make that decision for herself at the end yeah even that one boy what was his name tyler the the braces tyler yeah i don't know how i felt about tyler because he was kind of like a bully and it was i don't say it was weird to accept him into the friend group towards the end Mm -hmm. but like i don't know i mean it just shows that they aren't jaded you know that they're willing to let bygones be bygones and like accept somebody that they have a common interest with so better to repair bridges than burn them that's true so it was so funny when they saw him at that concert. Right. <laughs> I think it just it shows good a good example of child innocence. Like they really don't hold yeah. things to heart and they're very willing to forgive, you know? So you just need to have a common interest and everything else can fade into the background. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to bring up too, it's like which I can relate to may may a lot, which was like with your friends, I know sometimes your parents try to have what's best for you, but like making sure you decide your friends on your own, because mm-hmm. I can relate to that where like growing up, I would have certain friends and your mu- your parent would kind of just like talk about them like, oh, I don't know about this one. Like, you know, you know how sometimes yeah. she would say slick remarks about Mir- um, What's her name? Is Miriam? Miriam? Yeah, yeah, where she was like, you know, I think Miriam's kind of holding you back or like, you know, I just don't know what's wrong with that girl. Right. And like how she didn't really listen to her. Mm hmm. Well, I think yeah. it also illustrates like the fact that your parents are also humans and they're not yeah. always right, you know? No. So like sometimes yeah. having outside influences can help you make decisions that maybe your parents don't have the perfect answer to. So it was just like that. I do wish I was a little bit closer to my friends growing up though. I feel like I'm closer to Macy now than I was growing up. And I think mm-hmm. that has to do with what we both talked about earlier, we're like kind of being afraid we would be yeah. judged for our interests. So right. it was hard to confide in people because I didn't want to show weakness and I didn't want to like right. rely on people too much because I knew the whole relationship things. I was always worried that my relationships were going to fail. So I didn't want to become too invested and then lose it, which yeah. is horrible for like a 13 year old to be thinking. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like you said, you had to grow up at an early it's, age. So yeah, it's the reality of it. Just because of the environment you're in. So. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And like in recent years, I, <clears throat> now that I've kind of let go of that, I'm so close with my mom. Like we're best friends, you know? So I feel like me getting over that has allowed me to become so close to her and be able to talk so like yeah. intimately with her and my friends. Like I can really express myself now. So at least it didn't damage me in the long run. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's good. At least to a certain extent. I'm sure I have. <laughs> Yeah, you're still certain scars. The other day, and that's, that's still your mom. Yeah, so I'm still, I'm still very afraid of relationships. So, like, <laughs> commitment. 
Yeah. I mean, because there's some stuff I was watching in the movie I could have related to. Like, I'm not afraid to say this. Like, I don't have a relationship with my mom. I haven't spoken to her since I was 17. So, like, certain things like that, I was kind of just like, oh, you know, I wonder what that's like. So, that's another <laughs> mm-hmm. thing of, like, my own schedule struggle. So, it's like, it is me and my dad. And you don't hear a lot of stories about, like, single fathers. Our situation's weird because, like, he was a single father and then he wasn't. Like, I was kind of... A little bit older at the age that like most people in our society would stop considering him a single father so but that's other things that like you know shape the way i grow up so mm-hmm. transition um okay so my next point is like the decision to embrace the panda versus suppression. So she's really the only person in her family that decided to embrace it fully. Um, If you were in her situation, would you um, embrace it or would you suppress it? And like, why do you think she came to the decision she did? Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I think honestly, I probably would suppress it just because of like my personality it's easier for me to suppress something than to be that expressive. But with her, she had more to gain from keeping the panda than from suppressing it. So I could see why she did that. Yeah. She learned to live with it more than I think probably all the women in her generation really learned, honestly, (laughs) besides like the creator. Right. I think I would tend to agree with you, Nafis, on the whole suppression thing, only because in a realistic standpoint, I don't really love to like show my emotions like on that Mm -hmm. kind of level I think I tend to keep things to myself even though I'm becoming way more expressive with like my outward appearance or what I can say to people I still like my emotions I still kind of keep to myself so unless I just can't you know like um I kind of hate the fact that I I've cried twice now at work (laughs) one when Lucy died and two, when my uncle died. So I, and that's not something that I've never done before. I've never cried in front of a coworker. So, and I think it's just to, I think it's proving just that how comfortable I do feel with my coworkers, which is a great thing. And Mm -hmm. two, that I'm becoming more comfortable with letting my emotions out, but I'm still not quite all there that I would I think that I would let my emotions become into a physical beast that would just pop out. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) You don't want to turn into a big, fluffy, eight-foot, giant red panda? I mean, I would be cool with that, but I don't think that's super realistic in our society. (laughs) Not that it's supposed to be realistic, but... I know. um, (laughs) But if it was... Yeah, if it was, I don't know how much that would be accepted. And that, you know, people suck. They would probably, if it was accepted, be like, oh, taboo. She let her panda out. Like, she, she's too emotional. You know, like, our society would I turn guess it you into could that. Kind of, I guess you could kind of compare it to people who are just um, the no filter type of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can kind of compare it to that. Yeah. yeah. But on one extent, though, because even now, like, as I get older, like, I realize a lot of those no filter people were just like, rude and try to use yes. it as a cover yeah. up as being mm-hmm. no filter when that's not yeah, really yeah. the case. There's a difference between no filter of like accepting yourself, like expressing yourself of like who you actually are. And then there's just like the no filter of like just being a spiteful person. Mm-hmm. 
So if it's the no filter of like May's side, then yeah, I mm-hmm. want to be like that. If it's not, then no. Yeah, I think it's yeah. just it's down to like the being afraid to be vulnerable kind of thing and laying everything out mm-hmm. on the table. Like I'm still kind of the type of person that wants to keep some of my cards hidden. Um, yeah. So it would be very hard for me to just completely release it all like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't answer. So I would probably agree. I was trying to think, I think I would agree with you guys as far as suppressing it, but like, I kind of want to start embracing my panda more with the people I trust Cause mm-hmm. I am kind of the same mm-hmm. thing. Like I don't really show my emotions and like, even just like speaking my opinion, I still struggle with that. And I noticed that too, like even with this podcast, like there's some things I want to say and I don't. And like, it's just because I wasn't really taught to do that. I don't know how to do it properly. So mm-hmm. like, as far as people, I don't know, like, yes, I want to be like more myself, but like still kind of calm it down just cause that's the way I am. I still am kind of shy like, anxious around people I don't know I'd probably suppress it but as far as like just like with my friends and family I try to I do want to try to embrace my panda more that makes sense like so I'm still learning like I don't want to make this I don't want to make this too deep but like one of the reasons I've just realized like recently when I was doing like a professional development for like school um, like one of the reasons why I'm just so hesitant of speaking my mind of saying like what I want, what I don't want is because of the social like lashback, like backlash that I'd get. Um, because growing up, like I grew up around the time when 9-11 was like still yeah. fresh. So there was like that Islamophobia that still existed. So we were always taught at home to always, you know, keep your comments to yourself make sure you're politically correct when you're saying something you're not saying something so outlandish that people are just going to look at you like uh this girl's concerning so like mm-hmm. i kind of like internalized that and like just recently i realized that is one of the reasons why i'm not as outspoken as i could be um so yeah so that's just one of that just came to mind when you were talking simone yeah no i i get that so that makes sense mm-hmm. mine's yeah. more of kind of just like and the parents sense, like, especially with my mom, it's kind of like, if I wanted to say something, it was like, oh, you're just the child. You don't know anything. You'll know when you grow up, but like never really having discussions with me. Like, well, why I mean, there's some of should that I too, know that now? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mine's more of that. And then, like I said earlier, growing up in like a predominantly like white area, she didn't want me to be perceived as like, I guess the other black kids of like being like loud and rambunctious and like, mm-hmm. especially like as a woman, I guess, try to fit more into like what white people will want to see me as to try mm-hmm. to accept me. And that's another thing like I've been seeing discussions about with the whole I really didn't want to bring this up, but the whole Oscar thing that happened last time I could see those point of views and stuff, which no one has still apologized to Jada. But again, we're not going to get into that. But I'm just saying things along that line is why I have problems expressing myself and how people are so quick to shut it down where it's mm-hmm. like, you don't know what you're talking about or like if someone says something inventive like it's just a joke things along right. that nature so it, yeah it really isn't about just like learning how to express yourself it's the fear of like the backlash you will get like it's not even a question like you yeah. are gonna get some like backlash from saying things on your mind so it's just it's kind of a lose-lose yeah. situation like you want to express yourself to a certain extent but you also don't want to like you know, 
mess with like your people's perception of you or like your, you know, your opportunities because people are crazy. And like, if you say the wrong thing, you could ruin an opportunity for yourself. So it's just, we have to tiptoe around each other because of these, these stereotypes that we put into our own society. (laughs) So like, yeah. So yeah. that's why I said, like, <laughs> society-wise, I suppress it, but, like, I want to embrace mm-hmm. more friends and family. Yeah. So I think people that's I a trust. middle ground, yeah. you know, because, unfortunately, it's, like, the whole, like, you have to keep yourself safe. So, like, say what you feel like you can in a public environment to keep yourself safe while still expressing a part of your opinion. And then let mm-hmm. it out more so with people that you know that you're safe with no matter what. So... I just want to say, though, if it's like a toxic or like an abusive situation, then definitely speak out. Yeah. Like whether it's at work, at home, whatever, because Mm -hmm. you don't want to go through that agony like every single day. Yeah. Yeah. No one deserves the right to be belittled. Mm -hmm. So. Definitely. All right, then. Um, So (laughs) this this last point is kind of. It's a two-parter, but it's kind of on the same realms. One, I want to know your biggest takeaway or lesson you took from this movie, and then your overall impression of the film. We're not going to get into Ford Town. No, I'm joking. Okay, I feel, I feel like we talked about Ford Town. Is there more to talk about? I'm, just, I'm joking. God. Except for the home. fact that it is incredibly stupid that they're called Ford Town, and there's five of them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry. That's that's my I agree only, with the mother. That's my biggest lesson. One. It's stupid. They can't <laughs> count. It was so funny because I've literally said this before, like with the K-pop group Seventeen. I was like, "Why are they called Seventeen? And there are thirteen of them." That's technically, a lot, but still, technically, it started out at Seventeen. Yeah, to get them yeah, credit, get the technicalities. <laughs> I'm just saying, for someone who didn't know. Yeah. No, I agree with you. The first time I learned about them, I had to deep dive to figure out that they were originally 17. Because I was like, there aren't 17 members. Why are they called 17? (laughs) Is there any other groups like that where there's like a number, but like the number doesn't match how many members there are? I don't think Uh so. Isn't there one group, SF9 or SF7 or something? Oh, yeah. It's SF9. But aren't there Um, nine of them? They have nine members, yeah. Yeah. Okay, never mind. That's really all I can think of. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Fromis Nine? That's a girl group. Are there nine of them in Fromis Nine? I have no idea. Are they even together anymore? I think. Who knows? I know, I'm asking the wrong people. That's just another one I thought of off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as far as like biggest takeaway, I think the power of expression like being able to express yourself and having that positive environment to help you do so is very important what was the second part of your question um well, we thought of the movie i the think overall impressions. We, we can yeah. give our ratings I now if we'd really like good. i thought it was really clever how they combined like the generational it's not a curse. What do they call it? A challenge. She said an inconvenience. Inconvenience. How they combine that? Yeah. So they how they combine the inconvenience of turning into a panda and then like the inconvenience of like you know getting your period every month, like that. It was just so clever how they like combined all of it. Um, I really liked that they had diverse characters. Like you saw 
like a hijabi, you saw someone who is Sikh, you saw like people from all different backgrounds in that movie, which was really amazing to see. And plus it was in Toronto, like not even the United States. So overall, I think they did a really good job as far as like representing all kinds of Asians and like all kinds of people. And not even that, just like the characteristics, because if you notice like pure, like why can't I say her name? Pyra? I think Uh, I've been reading Priya. Priya. There's been, I don't know why I want to say it differently. There's been like some things (laughs) I've been seeing, like to try to speculate, like how she's goth, but because, you know, she's Indian and Asian and like Mm -hmm. how you are like with the way of how they present themselves. Like she can't show it in her dress, but she, she acts like it. And if you notice the book she was reading was kind of like an an interpretation (laughs) of Twilight. So, and then how, like, yeah. how towards the end she got along with that goth girl. So it's like things like that, like not even just like represent representation of like visuals, but also like characteristics. Exactly. Like and the Abby, Abby was so, so funny. Well-defined. Well <laughs> Abby was just so like, um, just what's, so what's the word like... I'm looking for? Passionate. Was <laughs> she, so passionate about everything. She reminded me of like an activist. If I had yeah. to place her in like a yeah. category. Yeah. And then like May May, like she like her character was the dorkiest, the quirkiest. It was like I loved her character. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was really well done, I think. Abby said something at the beginning that made me really laugh. It was something about like, let's burn this like to the ground or something <laughs> like that. And like I just couldn't stop laughing. I'm like, oh I like her. Right. <laughs> yeah. She's like a little spitfire. Mm-hmm. Like just screams out the r- most random things. I'm like, we would be best friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Your turn. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, mine's pretty short. Kind of just going along with you guys. It's like, I guess just mostly just like self-expression and mostly really just finding yourself and like how we've been talking about finding that balance of like your, um, what you show in society and then like what you show on like a personal level, but just mm-hmm. like, especially with the general generational inconvenience, not letting that shape who you are. Because, like, even towards the end when they were trying to get um, the mom's panda under control, like, when May first found her, she was a child. So, like, you could see mm-hmm. her regrets of, like, things she wasn't able to do to express herself and, like, feeling like she just disappointed mm-hmm. her mom on, like, every level of not knowing why and, like, right. why that suppression turned into, like, making her panda so big. Um, just finding that balance to make sure it doesn't get that mm-hmm. big. And that also helped her understand her mom more. Yeah, exactly. Because then, like, when she was taking her to the circle to um, get rid of the panda, you saw as her mom, like, you know, got older. So I think one of the one of the the, probably the best line in that movie is her saying that, like, I'm so sick of trying to be perfect because it's like impossible to be perfect. So to put those expectations on yourself in the first place. It was really detrimental. Just to point out, actually, I just thought of this, like the scene where you're talking about where they're in the forest and like the mom is just growing older. Mm-hmm. That actually sends a very powerful message that you don't always have to get help from people that are older than you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your child or someone younger than you can help you get through something. Right. Too. Yeah. So it's like it works both ways. Mm-hmm. And I wish we kind of saw the dad more. Like, I know it was a movie about mother yeah. and daughter, but like the dad gave really good advice before the ritual when he found that camera of her and her friends just having fun. Like he was like, yeah. this is the best I've seen you when you were laughing and goofing off and like being yourself. So right. mm-hmm. that was very quiet. And that's another thing too. Like, come on, men. Like, mm-hmm. 
Don't be afraid think, to talk to your children. Right. I think that's yeah. another s- stereotype in certain cultures is like the father is more like the stoic character that yeah. just supports from yeah. the background, but doesn't really handle a mm-hmm. lot of parenting. Or like um, the emotional like yeah. support either, really. Like it's wrong for men to be emotional. So We kind of discussed that a little bit in Love and Leashes. <laughs> is he going to say that? Remember the scene where like she goes, she runs to the bathroom and like the mother was like, Jin, it's happening. And he just quietly backs away. <laughs> he, he lights the kitchen on fire. He's so flustered. <laughs> but even that, that was like, okay, that that's a women's scene. He's like, mm-hmm. and even like when she called him on the phone we, or she was like, Jid, get home. We have a problem. He's like, is it a woman thing? And she's like, no, because she was talking about the curse, but he was talking about like her being mm. on her period. So yeah. Yeah. there's some things he can give an insight for and some things he can't. He can't so like yeah. <laughs> the things he can, especially for like the emotions and like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you think though she would have gone through with the ritual if she had not spoken with her dad prior? Um. I don't know because I mean, she, she had all those it. flashbacks of like yeah. how much she enjoyed it, but I think he, her. if anything, he gave her the mm-hmm. the last push off the plank. Like she was already like trying to jump, but just a little extra boost. Yeah. But I'm not mm-hmm. sure if she would have completely decided not to do it without him at all. Yeah. I think she would have decided not to give up her panda either way, but I do mm-hmm. think like Macy was saying, it helped her finalize that because she was brought back to that video that they made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I guess I'll answer the question as well. I think my biggest takeaway would be don't be afraid to speak your mind more though. So than anything, like stand mm-hmm. up for yourself and keep that, like you can have a good balance of respecting your and honoring your parents, but also expressing yourself. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. You can, yeah, yeah, you can do both. I agree. And, and I liked it. I thought it was really <laughs> Your parents are also human. Yeah. They also made the yeah. same mistakes you do and still currently make mistakes no matter how old they get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you don't have to, oh, this might get some backlash. I don't feel like you really have to, yes, you have to be respectful, but don't put so much pressure where you feel like you have to pay them back so much, if that makes sense. Like, I want to pay my parents back because I'm grateful for what they did with me, like, growing up. Mm -hmm. But, like, don't feel like you're obligated to do that. Right. I think what you just said is good. Like, you should just do it because you you want to thank them and you're grateful, not because it's expected. Like, it's required to do so. Um, Like, you have to, I'm doing this because I just need to check it off my box. I, I am doing it because I am actually grateful for what they've done for me. Right. Yeah. Macy, my translator. Everybody. <laughs> this is why I struggle when she's not here. Right. Google autocorrect. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> this is much. What she meant. <laughs> this is what she meant to say. <laughs> so, but yeah, overall, just really good movie. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Even, yeah. I feel like there's something you can find where you can relate to, especially right. when it deals with families. So, um, if we'd like to go ahead and give our, our ratings, I think I want to give this one a nine which is my highest rating so far that we've done for movies. I was going to give it a nine as well. Wow, look at us all on the same page. I was also <laughs> going to give mine a nine. I really like this movie. And if I have to yeah. rewatch this movie just for the end part where they're in the stadium trying to get, you know, the music with the song and then like mixing yeah. it with the traditional music. I love that scene so much. If I, mm-hmm. I only just like rewatch it just for that, I will. 
It's my favorite scene of the movie. I'm just wondering how the boys were convinced to become a part of that. (laughs) Well, she did almost kill them. I mean, there there are some plot holes, like the fact that, um, like, the two other girls, like, their parents said no. Like, they raised the money for the tickets, but they're, like, the one... Miriam, is that what her name? Her parents said yes yeah. if she could pay for it, but the other two, they straight up said no. So, like, how did they go to the concert regardless of whether they had the money and or not? Cra- and it's crazy because yeah, I forgot but... the time that they were in that they could just walk up to the venue when the concert was happening to pay for the tickets and not have to buy them in advance. Right? They didn't oh, yeah, have to deal yeah. with Ticketmaster and BTS. <laughs> the whole time they were raising money, I'm like, when are they going to buy these tickets? The concert's yeah. happening soon. Right? Yeah. I wish I got to experience that. I just walk up to the venue be like, hey, there's tickets left. How much you want? There you go. Right? Not go through the mental gymnastic. Like it's a freaking movie, not a... <laughs> it's crazy how stressful like just buying tickets has become. Mm-hmm. Right? 200 bucks for a stadium concert like that? Good. That's a good deal. <laughs> that seems reasonable. It was general mission too, so... Yeah, but they were like on the floor right up front. So like, Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. But there weren't like any extra perks. Like, there wasn't like VIP or anything either. I suppose. I mean, they kind of did get a VIP. That's yeah. true. Moment. Towards the end, they did. They got to <laughs> sing with them. They got to save the world with them. And at the end, right. you saw like that sign where May was the panda and all of them got to take a picture and they signed it. So that was mm-hmm. cute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do want to know how they convinced them to help them with the singing. Yeah. With the ritual. That's still my favorite scene, though. Mm-hmm. Good. And their little dancing. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, I laughed a little bit too hard when they were, like, trapped up on the wires. (laughs) 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 That part, though, when her mom just came and her one eye was, like, peeking, that Mm. was scary. Like, I was scared for them. And they're all fictional. She's like, all the kids were like, oh, is this part of the show? Right. That one girl that was like, I want my money back. (laughs) Yeah. Oh gosh. And she's like, this show is over. And then she's like, go home, wear your parents, put on some clothes. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm so happy I've got into my fangirl. Like, that is, I am kind of glad I've got into like my fangirling later in life because like I can afford this stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't have to worry about like my parents approving. I mean, I talked about it a little bit with Brianna, like what I had, like I live with my dad still. So I had to tell them like, Hey, I'm planning to go to LA to go see VTS. And I had to hear that whole rant from him. Like, why are you going? Then did you already see them? Aren't you wasting your money? Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, it is my money. So, um, I am an adult now. I will see you in four days. (laughs) (laughs) See, you embrace your panda and you stuck up for yourself. I did. I'm a little sad I couldn't go see them in Vegas now. They turned Vegas out, apparently. It's all purple everywhere. Oh, wow. I need them to come a little bit closer before I can go. I need them to come to Florida, even though this might not happen. Come to New York. New York. Come on. I would be happy with Atlanta. (laughs) That too. I'd be happy with Atlanta also, because it'd be easier for transportation. We could just drive there. So it'll happen. I have a feeling. We'll see. This is going to be way Have past. Have they come to Atlanta look, before? They were supposed to. Actually, no. Uh, I think they actually did when they were. Yes. But I actually do think they went there 
early in the year. Like yeah, 2015. They went there the year before mm-hmm. we actually went to the concert in New York, like the tour before that, they were in Atlanta. Oh, were they? Because, yeah, we talked about it. Like they were there and we talked about it, remember? And we're like, oh, we'll go next year. But I thought that was ATs we were talking about, not BTS. No, when you initially got into them, and I think we were actually at one of the Megacons, we were talking about it, like they were in Atlanta while we were there. Um, and it, we had mentioned that it would be cool to see them. But I have a memory of us in a Wendy's talking about this. I don't know why. Okay. I don't know either. <laughs> I don't know the last time we went to a Wendy's together. All, apparently, like... One of the ma- I have I have a distinct memory of us doing this. So whether it's my brain okay. making something up or what, <laughs> okay, I believe you because I'm very forgetful. So this may have happened. Mm-hmm. It would have been more realistic if you said like pan, not Panda <laughs> Express, Panera <laughs> Bread. <laughs> we go to Panera Bread a lot. Why the hell was I about to say Panda Express? We used to go there quite a bit. We did actually used to go to Panda Express a lot. So any, it doesn't matter. I just it they doesn't were- matter. They did go to Atlanta at one point, but it hasn't been since we went to our concert in New York. And that was before mm-hmm. they started doing stadium tours. Like, I'm sure this was still like an Ooh. arena. So, yeah. Makes sense. I'm sure it'll be this year. I have a feeling. I know mm-hmm. I'm getting ready for the move and everything, but I will save money aside. Like, so let me have this. <laughs> yeah. That's one bad thing about fangirling for certain things. It's like, oh, drop everything. Right. And that's another thing, too. Another plot hole. Like, they spent so much time raising money for this concert when May basically just snuck in. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean. She just escaped a ritual, like, covered over some buildings, like a superhero jumping over them, transitioning back and forth, and just found her friends and just w- appeared in the dome. <laughs> Didn't have to pay for anything. I mean, they only had money for, like, three tickets anyway, so... Okay. A couple of plot yeah. holes. That's why it has a nine instead of a ten, because there are a couple of plot holes and whatnot. But other than yeah. that, it's pretty good overall, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Okay. So before we actually like wrap up, wrap up, the thing I wanted to talk about, because I guess we're done talking about turning red, right? Was there anything else we wanted to talk about? I think we covered most of it. <laughs> okay. So the thing I wanted to bring up just real quick before we end, since this is the 25th Pixar movie, um, there's this website website called IGN.com, which I see their tweets sometimes. So I think it's like a website that releases news on like a lot of um, comic book related stuff, video games. I don't know if they do anime or not, but I know they do like superhero stuff. So like if a Marvel movie's coming out, they'll announce it or a DC, um, like I said, video games. Anyway, um, so they did a ranking. I don't know what y'all feel about this ranking. And all of these Pixar movies I have not seen or remember seeing. But they ranked all 25 from like the top 25. So I'll read out the list that I got from them and see if you guys agree. Um, Because I remember seeing this as a discourse on Twitter. Not all of this I agree with either. So... So 25, they ranked Cars 3 as the 25th movie. Uh, 24th, they ranked Cars 2. 23, they ranked Finding Dory. 22, Monsters University. 21, The Good Dinosaur. 20, Brave. 19, The First Cars. 18, Onward. 17, Turning Red. I already disagree right there. 16, Luca. 15, Soul. 14, Incredibles 2. 13, A Bug's Life. 12, Toy Story 4, 
11 Ratatouille, and then the top 10. So 10 was Toy Story 2, 9 was Up, 8 was Finding Nemo, 7 was the original Monsters, Inc., so Monsters, Inc., Uh, 6 they put Coco, 5 Inside Out, 4 the first Toy Story, 3 Wall-E, 2 Toy Story 3, and they ranked number 1 as The Incredibles. Um, I don't necessarily agree with The Incredibles being number 1. I no. This might be a hot take, but I've never really enjoyed that movie. I like The Incredibles, but I'm trying to think, like, out of all these, what had the most, like, cultural impact, you know? I would put, like, bef- not necessarily as number one, but before The Incredibles, I would put, I would put Up higher, I would put Brave higher, I would put Turning yeah. Red higher. Um, I would put Wally lower. I did not enjoy Wally. I don't even yeah. remember Wally. I just know I can never finish it. I was so bored with that one. Right. There are quite a few on the list that I would put above The Incredibles. So I don't know how much I agree with that list overall. And like, I don't, I can't yeah. say anything because I've never seen Coco. I haven't seen Coco is really good. I haven't seen it either. Coco is super good. I haven't seen Luca. I, I haven't, haven't seen, seen Onwards, and I, I didn't even know they made a Cars 3. I forgot Cars 2, <laughs> and I never seen The Good the Dinosaur. The Cars movies in general, <laughs> I'm not huge on, but... Um, I just yeah. remember I always get Life is a Highway stuck in my head randomly because of that <sighs> yes. movie. Right. That's it. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that no. I dislike any of these movies, but as far as like a ranking overall, I would definitely yeah. put some of those higher than others. I think mm. Up is one of the best movies ever. But like, yeah, and it makes me cry. But like, yeah. <laughs> and I thought Brave was really good, too. And I'm surprised that Bug's Life isn't that high. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed A Bug's Life. Mm-hmm. That one's very pretty popular. Yeah. So I think Monsters Inc. could have been in top five. Yeah, oh, yeah, I agree with that, too. So Inside Out, I enjoyed that one. I don't. I know I've seen that, but I hardly remember it. <laughs> it's the one about the yeah, yeah the emotions. And, yeah, her emotions. I, yeah. So. No, I know what it's about, but like, I like you could read me a summary, and that's like what I know about that movie. <laughs> like, sure. I know I've okay. seen it, but like, it's like it wasn't that memorable to me. I guess. I'm also surprised Finding Nemo's not in the top five. Yeah, I would say like Finding Nemo, Monsters Inc brave up and then i would probably put turning red into the top five i don't know which order but yeah i think me for the top five would definitely be turning red monsters inc damn this is hard um probably toy story 2 because i really enjoyed toy story 2 out of all the toy stories i haven't seen the fourth one all the toys blend together for me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah except for maybe the first one but i'll put two there i'll also put up and for five for like in the top five i'm debating between the incredibles and maybe inside out because i really enjoyed the incredibles personally it's so. just a classic number one maybe not but like mm-hmm. yeah what about you nafis um in no particular order i would put in monsters inc a Bug's Life, Incredibles 2. I don't really remember Incredibles 1, but I really liked Incredibles 2. I don't remember Incredibles um, 2. <laughs> Turning Red. Yeah. Am I missing one? Probably missing a few. 
If anything, I might swap out Brave for oh, Coco. Brave. Yeah, I really yeah, like Brave. I, yeah. I really like Brave, but if I had to swap one out of my top five to put Coco in, that would be that one. Mm. I need I need to watch Coco. It's really good. The music's really good, too. And I don't remember Brave that much, to be honest. I don't know if I've enjoyed that or not. I know this. I know that she's not like a princess now, I guess. That's when her mom turns into the bear, right? Yeah. <laughs> So with all these movies of like people turning into animals. And I enjoyed Soul. I know Soul didn't get a lot of there was a lot of mixed reviews on Souls. I'd probably put that in my top ten, not top five, but I did enjoy that one. I have not watched yeah. that one yet, so I can't comment on it. Me either. <laughs> so yeah. Just wanted to bring that up to see what you guys' rankings were are since like I said, this is their twenty fifth movie, so they put out that article. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting yeah. seeing people's their own list. Yeah, I don't fully agree with that <laughs> list, but I can Not see where Wally they're coming for being from. Number three, I'm sorry. Yeah. Wally I has a lot of Wally, good but... commentary, I suppose, on like the environment, but as a movie overall, it's not that entertaining. Oh. In my opinion, <laughs> don't come yeah. for me. I haven't said it yet in this episode, <laughs> but don't come for me. <laughs> Gotta say it. <laughs> we, usually, we usually say that in the beginning, especially if we yeah. like especially bring in the K-pop games. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Don't come for us. You didn't say it's that. It's just earlier. an opinion. <laughs> I almost forgot. I got it in there at the end. <laughs> okay, but anyway, <laughs> so guys, go listen or not go listen. Go watch Turning Red. I know we talk more about our own personal experiences than the movie itself, but hey, that's what the discussion is really about. So that's what I feel like. The fact that it brought so many emotions forward is probably a good sign. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Besides it being super cute and I loved the animation and the music was good. Those are all little sprinkles on top. <laughs> yes. Because like both times I watched this movie, I almost like sobbed of that scene of her finding her mom in the forest yeah. and the things her mom was saying like yeah. that hit me on a personal level i almost sobbed i actually twice. teared up when she was crying in her room not being able to control it like the tears yeah. whenever she was crying it was like getting me i'm like stop <laughs> yeah and that's why <laughs> i suggest like um watching that embrace the red thing because they talk about like the influence of like the animation because like the creator herself like she talked about like when she was growing up like how she was really into anime also so if you notice she talks about it too like how anime influenced the way they um show the expression of the characters like when they would get like big eyes or like if they saw a cute boy like the dramatics of like the heart sparkly eyes yes (laughs) it's very anime (laughs) so just things like that and you also get to see like their perspective, like because this, not even just her, but like this whole production was like really woman like driven as far as like the people in charge of it and bringing it to life. So I thought that was really cool, especially having two like Asian women really be the force and the lead of this. So because mm-hmm. I mean it is about the creator story of being a yeah. Chinese Canadian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and experiencing the whole like menstruation, it really you really needs to be told from someone who's experienced it. So, yeah, the emotions and the up and down and the cultural differences. Like you can only really you got to get it from the source to truly understand it. it. Exactly. So, but yeah, let's go ahead and end it there, guys. Who wants to do the closing? Ooh. Not me. I vote not me either. I've been talking a lot. <laughs> 
Hippies. Hippies. Take your guns. You're up. And now you end it. <laughs> um. Oh my gosh, how do I do this? I'm not ended in a while. <laughs> um, so thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can find us on any social media. Please make sure to follow us on Instagram. What else are we on? Twitter. We're Twitter. only on Twitter and Instagram, so that's really our only social on media. Twitter and Instagram. We have no Facebook. I don't know why I was thinking have... like YouTube and everything like that, but I, actually, yes. we do have a YouTube. I just upload these episodes onto YouTube, and I. I'm proud of myself. I've caught up. So all the episodes are on there. You don't see our faces though. So I don't know how many people actually watch just like podcast mm. audio on YouTube, but you can find us on YouTube for now. Maybe someday, mm-hmm. just not today. Right. Yeah. But yeah, you can find us um, anywhere that they stream podcasts. If you have any questions or any suggestions, please make sure to email us at I was thinking pod at gmail.com. But other than that, have a great day. See y'all later. Bye. Stanford Town.